Good morning. Happy Easter. He is risen. He's alive. Let's stand together. Well, we lift you in this place right now. We glorify you. Hallelujah. Put your hands together. He's alive. He's alive. Oh, hallelujah. My Jesus is alive. Death has lost its victory. And the grave has been denied. Oh, my Jesus is forever. He's alive. Yes, he's alive. Oh, hallelujah. And hallelujah. My Jesus is alive. And death has lost its victory. And the grave has been denied. Oh, my Jesus is forever. He's alive. Sin is broken, we have perfect liberty, and all the Lamb of God has risen. He's alive, He's alive, oh yes, He's the Alpha and the Omega, the first and last is He. The curse of sin is broken, we have perfect liberty, oh the Lamb of God has risen. He's alive, he's alive, oh, let's sing hallelujah, my Jesus is alive, death has lost his victory, and the grave has been denied, oh, my Jesus is forever, he's alive, yes, he's alive, sing it again, oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Jesus is alive. Death has lost its victory, and the grave has been denied. My Jesus is forever. He's alive. Sing it again. He is the Alpha. Yes, He is the Alpha and the Omega. The first and last is He. Oh, the curse of sin is broken. Perfect liberty. God has risen. He's alive. One more time. Hallelujah. Oh, let's sing it in Hallelujah. He's alive. Death has lost its victory. And the grave has been denied. Oh, my Jesus is forever. He's alive. He's alive. Give him praise. Give him honor. He is worthy. He is risen. He is, he is glorious. Hallelujah. We bless you, Lord. We praise you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, God, for your blessings. Have you come to lift him today? He is risen. He is mighty. He is alive. He is alive in us. Hallelujah. We bless you, Lord. Hallelujah. We've come to lift you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, God, for your blessings. Thank you for your resurrection in us, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. See the tomb where he lay. See the stone rolled away. He is risen. He is risen. He's alive. See his hands. See his feet. Touch his scars and believe he is risen he is risen he's alive oh yes he's alive he lives in all honor and power are his in all glory forever Jesus lives 
like this verse. And hear the shackles breaking free. Hear the song of the redeemed. He is moving. He is moving. He's alive. Oh, so take this freedom. Take this love. Can you feel it rising up? And he is here. He is here. And he's alive. And he lives. It's all Sunday. We are here to celebrate Jesus today. 
while many have made it about bunnies and eggs, and I know they have their place and tradition, but today we're here to celebrate the resurrected Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So that's what it's going to be about in this building today, is about Jesus Christ, the one that is high and lifted up and is worthy of all of our praise. I have a few announcements. I know Pastor Brian hates, he just, he's getting it worked up, and then I get up here and slow it down. I'm sorry, all right? But I'm going to give y'all a, a little break here, and then y'all can get back up and worship before I preach. How does that sound? We have a Gap City Kids fundraiser going on. If you would like to help bake and donate a cake, there's a sign-up sheet when you walk out of these doors where our staff pictures are on the right. You'll see hanging there a sign-up sheet. And if you would just put there the information asked for, uh, we, we, want, we would like to do two cakes each week is what we're wanting to do if we can get enough. So if you bake a good cake, please sign up today so we can make sure we get that list going. We really want to start uh, baking cakes for the 18th and moving forward. So in other words, we would like to have the first cake here on the 18th and then continue from there. And once you sign up, uh, Jessica or Tyler will give you a date as to when you are to bring your cake. So April 11th, our plans are for starting the ticket sales on April 11th. They're going to be $1 each. You can buy as many as you want. All proceeds are going to go to the Gap City Kids Ministry. And then hopefully on April 18th, a ticket will be pulled for the first cake and uh, or maybe two cakes. We'll have to wait and see how it works out. Depends on participation. But please help us with that. If you have any questions after church, there's a gym right over here. You can go see Tyler or Jessica there and they'll answer any questions you may have. Now on your way out today, uh, will you grab one of those things for me out of that? You see that? Yeah, thank you. Just grab one of those. I should have already had it. On the way out this morning, she's going to hold it up for me. Just hold it up real, real pretty there. She's going to be my little model this morning, like the price. There you go. So it's Gap Hill, Church of God, Bridge the Gap. This is a magnet, folks. It goes on the back of your car. It is so easy. So if you go to our church, I don't even care if you don't go to our church. One per car this morning is free advertisement. I love it. Thank you so much. So when you go out this morning, they're going to be handing them out here, and they're going to be handing them out. James Hooper at the back, and I think maybe Nathan, I'm not sure, is going to be on the side here, but they're going to hand you one, one per vehicle. Please spread the word. Gap Hill Church is here. That's what it's all about. Also, I want to say congratulations to Nathan and Beth Baldwin. Did I get that right? I'm so used to saying Wilson, but there we go. So to Nathan and Beth Baldwin. Also, want to thanks to Angie Stone here and to her daughter Leslie, who set up the beautiful cross in the front for us. And uh, so you guys can take pictures in front of it. Beautiful there. So can we give them a hand this morning? Thank you guys for doing that for us. We have a few requests that I would like to say at this time. My wife's grandmother, uh, my grandmother as well, uh, passed away. And so want to be in prayer for our family this coming week. Also for David Monroe's family. His sister, Selena Charles, passed away this past week as well and need prayers. We also have Art O'Shields, who is recovering from heart surgery that needs our continued prayers. For Miss Joanne Mert, recovering from hip surgery. Janice and Kayla Young, um, needing prayers from a reaction that they had. And also for Sheila Tao. I think, Sheila, did I see you here this morning? Where are you at? All right, God bless you, Sheila. It's good to see you back in church with us. You've been through several surgeries. So we're glad to have you and Ernie back with us. Continue prayers for healing there, and I'm sure there's many others that I have not, uh, that I've failed to name, but God knows the needs, and so let us pray this morning, ask God to enter into this place, bless us, for those that wonder about giving, uh, as you walk out, there's two offering um, buckets on either side, so if you would like to give any tithes or offering this morning, you can do so, maybe you did on your way in, but you can also do on your way out, thank you for your giving today as well, Father, we praise you today, we thank you for who you are, Lord, we praise you first off for Jesus Christ. The Alpha, the Omega, the beginning, the ending. That's who you are. And so today we worship you, your King, your Lord of all. And so Father, first off, we want to praise you for what you have done for us. And what today is about, it's about the fact that you rose from the dead. And because of that, you have brought life to dead things. When we were dead in our trespasses and sin, because of your resurrection, today we can live. Hallelujah. And we thank you for that. We pray today for blessings on those that have lost loved ones. 
We pray blessings and healing on those in our church, as I just named, and some that I may have failed to. We pray for healing to come to their homes, Father, that they would recover soon. Many of them just want to be back in church. I'm asking you to touch and minister to them. We thank you today for everyone that has come, whether they're a home person or whether they are a first-time guest here today. We honor them, and we thank you for their presence being with us today. Let us worship and lift up Jesus. Anoint this last song. Anoint the word as we bring it forth this morning. Let your will be done. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Amen. Let's stand back up together if you'd like. Lord, we lift you in this place. We magnify you, oh Lord. Hallelujah. Let's worship together. I search the world, but it couldn't be. Treasures and fame are never enough. Then you came along. You put me back together. Now every design is now satisfied here in your love. And all that's He's the God of the valley. There's not a place your mercy and grace. It won't find me again. And all that's nothing better than you. There's nothing that's better than you, Lord.
Sonja, it's so good to see you guys today. I just saw you walk in. We honor you today, sir. God bless you and your wife and family here today. I have a message i got to preach to you for just a few minutes entitled, The Cluttered Tomb. We often hear about the empty tomb, but today I'm going to deal with the cluttered tomb. Has anybody ever heard anything like that before? Nobody? Good. I feel like I'm doing something right today. Luke chapter 24, verse 1 through 8 is what I want to read. Luke 24. Now on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, uh, they and certain other women with them came to the tomb, bringing the spices which they had prepared. But they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. Praise the Lord. Then they went in and did not find, this is very important information to us, I like details, I'm intricate on details. Then they went in and did not find, somebody say did not, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And it happened as they were greatly perplexed about this, that behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. Then, as they were afraid and bowed their faces to the earth, they said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? And the most, probably one of the most famous scriptures. He is not here, but is risen. Remember how he spoke to you when he was in Galilee saying the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and the third day rise again. Verse 8 said, and they remembered his words. I was thinking the other day, there's been a lot of archaeological discoveries that have taken place in our world. A matter of fact, uh, you could go see King Touch treasures in Field Museum in Chicago. It's treasures that they've gathered from his tomb on display uh, Pastor Brian and I were just talking this past week about dinosaurs and having that debate of where they came from, when they were in the scriptures. Don't even get him started on that. 
But they found some archaeological discoveries and they found all kinds of bones and now they've pieced together and we've got brontosauruses and we've got Trinosaurus rexes and all of this with skeletal bone that they found. And uh, the Bible tells us something in, in Luke chapter 24. The greatest archaeological discovery is not what was found in a tomb, but the greatest discovery is what was not found. <laughs> At the site of a tomb. So if I were to give you the story in my text last Friday. The women had taken the body of Jesus down from the cross. They have wrapped him hastily. They put him in the tomb. He has not been properly prepared. So they are coming with these spices and these ointments. So that they can properly prepare the body for the disintegration. That they believe is going to take place. Because everybody knows that's. It's not a beautiful sight. We don't like death. But at the end of the day, the body actually disintegrates in the earth. Dust to dust, ashes to ashes. We go back where God made us and formed us from. The women did not expect to find the tomb empty when they got there. We can tell by the passage that as they travel to the cemetery, they are talking among themselves. And the conversation that they are having is this. They are wondering which one of them or if both of them are going to be able to roll away this huge stone from in front of the tomb when they get there. How are we going to get it moved? When we, when we find them getting there, their sorrow, their fear, their grief, all these mixed emotions that they have are compounded by their astonishment at the fact that the stone, this 4,000 pound stone it has magically just moved away. They don't understand how. They don't understand why. But the answer of the stone is rolled away. So in their astonishment, they go and like we are. How many nosy people do I have in the house today? Don't be ashamed to admit it. We're in the presence of God, alright? We're all family here. We've all got a little nosiness in us. So in their, their nosy, they, they go over there and they say, well, let's look in the tomb. Let's figure out what's going on. So to their astonishment, as they look in, they find that Jesus isn't there. And then we have the greatest announcement that is giving in all of history and all time. The words, he is not here. Now, what a grand understatement. Now, think about this. There are no trumpets there's no fanfares. There's no Steven Spielberg movie effects. There's no music in the background. It is simply two men that are saying, where is he? Is what they're asking. And they're simply saying, he's not here. It is as if to say, did you really expect him to be here anyhow? Don't you remember what he said to you, their religion had prepared them for it. Their prophets had prophesied to them about it. He himself, Jesus Christ, had already told them, when you kill me on the third day, I'm going to rise from the dead. But they weren't ready for it. It was too much for them to grasp in their finite mind. Can I tell somebody today that it is my prayer. I hope this morning that it's too much for you. I hope today that the Holy Spirit absolutely blows every one of our circuits today. As we come to the realization maybe perhaps for the first time in our life. He's not there. Now, in my studies, I was finding that there are all kinds of explanations as to why Jesus' body was not there. I'm going to give you three popular ones, if I may. We humans grope for explanations. How many of you like to know why? I mean, I don't want to just see it. I want to know why it's that way, and I want to know how it operates. Tell me a little bit about this thing. Why is it the way it is? I need an explanation. It's like if you're canceling somebody and they come to you and they're telling you, oh, pastor, this, that, and the other, and you're getting all this, and it's boggling in your head, and finally you realize, i got to figure out about where this person came from. I need some details to figure out why we are where we are. There is something in our humanity that absolutely gropes for these explanations. We feel like we have to have them. So we come up with what I will call today human wisdom. Human wisdom gets us in trouble. And human wisdom, listen to me, will never truly understand the sovereignty of the God that we serve. Our finite minds, listen, it's never going to be able to understand this infinite God. 
There's some parts of creation we're just not going to understand. There's some parts of life we're not going to understand. There's even parts about heaven today and death that we don't fully understand. Where's the body? Are they in paradise? Are they in, with Jesus right now? Are they already in heaven on streets of gold like most preachers preach? I mean, what we don't understand all of the details. That is why God said we can't walk in this flesh. We cannot walk in human logic and human wisdom. We've got to supersede that. We've got to understand there's some things we just can't grasp with these little brains of ours now these are a couple of things I'll take it the first one would be he's not here because he didn't really die on the cross this is human wisdom this is what the smart guys have come up with this is what atheists have come up with people that are godless people that are anti-christ so let me get this straight Jesus was so battered so bruised so beaten, he has even had a spear pierced into his side. Blood and water have gushed out. Come on, somebody. I mean, but yet this Jesus that they, he just passed out. And so they thought he died. And so they pulled him from the cross. They put him in this nice stone tomb, which is really cool by nature. The sun can't get in, so it's a cool place. So when they put his body there, all of a sudden the coolness and exuberance of youth comes in him again. And he becomes aware, and he gets up, and he, he gets up. Not only does he get up, he moves a 4,000-pound stone from the door. He goes out and fights a quadrillion of soldiers. He's fighting them and overcomes them. Come on, somebody. Human wisdom will get, how ridiculous. Here's another one that some smart guys came up with. The women went to the wrong tomb. Now that's a good one. They went to another tomb guarded by soldiers who just happened to pass out from fright. No. Let's try this one. This is the best one. The most popular. His enemies stole the body and they simply hid the body. How many of you ever remember that show that was called The World's Dumbest Criminals? If you've never seen it, you ought to take your time to do it. I know pastors used to preach against TVs, but I'm telling you. This one is worth it. You watch that show, man. They leave the trace right behind them. I mean, it just, it's like putting out cheese and, and for the mouse and just letting him follow the trail. And they just come right to him. World's absolute dumbest criminals. Well, these people that stole Jesus would have been on that show. Because I want to show you this. In only a matter of a few weeks, these people, the Apostle Paul, Apostle Peter, John, James, the disciples, they were literally going to flip the world upside down by their preaching. Right? Watch this. What name are they preaching in? In the name of Jesus. Look at the declaration of the Apostle Peter when he told them at the day of Pentecost. He said, this same Jesus that you guys crucified is alive and forevermore anybody that calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. This is the declaration that is coming from the Apostle Peter. So if I'm the person that stole Jesus and I'm the enemy, guess what I'm going to do? If I have the body, I'm going to produce the body and I'm going to say, he's here. This whole thing is a hoax. These people are crazy. This is the body. The point is they don't have it. They haven't produced it. It's not there. E. Stanley Jones, who's a pioneer missionary to India, is debating one day with the Muslim man. The Muslims, of course, believing that Jesus Christ is a good man. Some believe he's a prophet, but they will not accept the, flat, the, the fact that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and he is the only way to God, that he is the only way of salvation. But the Muslims said to him, you go to Jerusalem and there are two locations in which they claim to be the tomb of Jesus. How sad it is that you Christians don't even know where they laid your prophet. Or where your prophet is. To which Jones says, man, it's worse than even that. We don't even have a body. That's why they argue over the tomb. It is simply because there's no DNA evidence. There's no body. Look with me this morning at the tomb. If we could for just 
a few moments because the resurrection is the very heart of our faith. If we do not have the resurrection, we cannot have Jesus. If we cannot believe it, listen, there's a lot of things that we can fuss and defer and dicker about all day long if we want to. We can debate what the scriptures meant, whether it was for their generation, for our culture. We can debate all of these man-made traditions all day long. But at the end of the day, we cannot dicker and defer on the fact that Jesus Christ on the third day resurrected from the dead. Because if you do away with the resurrection, everybody in this building, I hate to be the guy to tell you, but everybody is going to hell in this room today. If we can't believe that Jesus Christ died and resurrected, somebody say, He died for me, I understand that. And I'm glad for the cross, and I praise God for the cross. And we've got a cross on display right behind me, but at the end of the day, if you do not have the resurrection, then the cross is in vain. There has to be a completion, a fulfillment of what God is trying to do. And so what God does is He dies on this cross, and He says on the third day, I'm going to not only say it is finished on the cross, But when I resurrect, I'm going to say it is complete. My Father's will has been done. Now every boy, man, woman, girl, they can come to me and accept me as Savior and go to heaven. Somebody ought to say amen in this house today. So so we have to ask the question, is this empty tomb, is it empty or is it not? It's a yes or a no question. There's no bodies there. But today I want to suggest to you it's not exactly empty. Because as I look into this tomb, we'll peek in together. There's some things that I find cluttered in the tomb today. The first thing that I find is grave clothes cluttered the empty tomb. Why are there clothes here? Because they're in the clutter of the tomb, lying on the rocky floor. Death is dead. Death has been broken and destroyed and left powerless and empty on the floor of the tomb. Death died the day that Jesus rose again. What a powerful reality. We may go to cemeteries and we may try to give condolences to families. But I'm telling you that death has been defeated because of what I'm preaching to you today. So so in Acts chapter 2, look at this verse. This is powerful. Let's let's pop it up there. Acts chapter 2 verse 24. But God released him. This is released Jesus from the horrors of death. And raised him back to life. Are y'all ready for this everybody? For death could not keep him in its grip. Death tried to hold him down. The devil wanted death to hold him down. But Peter preached to the people in Acts chapter 2. And said wait a minute folks at the day of Pentecost. Death tried to hold him. But death is no match for a risen Savior. My God Almighty. D.L. Moody was a young man, a young preacher, and he was asked for the first time to preach a funeral service. He didn't know how to do a funeral service, had no idea, never done it before. He decided to go to the Word of God. He would open it up. He would look at Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. He would try his best to find one scripture in which Jesus preached a funeral. He figured if he could find in the Gospels where Jesus preached a funeral, he was just going to use the notes from Jesus. But he never found a single one. Do you know why? He discovered that Jesus Christ broke up every funeral that he ever attended. He found that death had no power in the presence of Jesus Christ, our resurrected Lord. You could ask the son of the widow in name. He's the resurrected Savior. You could go and you could ask the mother-in-law of Peter. And she would tell you, yes, he's the resurrected Savior. She too was raised from the You could ask Lazarus. Just a few weeks before Jesus' death, and I like this story. Because, you know, his good friend in Bethany, Lazarus, has died. Mary and Martha are crying and grieving over him. Jesus goes to see what he can do for them. And, uh, and, and what do you think he did? I'm going to tell you what he did. And I'll make it short for you because I don't have time to tell the whole story. He walks up to the tomb and he called Lazarus. Now when I was studying yesterday, the reality came back to me and I knew it because I've preached it. I've heard it. But it came alive in me again and, and it was fresh for me just a couple of days ago. That Jesus had to call Lazarus by name. Because he has such authority over death that if he walks in a cemetery and says, come forth, then we've got a whole cemetery. 
coming out of tombs. And there's dead men walking all around. So he specifically said, Lazarus, come forth. When Martha asked him, what is this all about, Jesus? He replied, I am the resurrection and the life. Death has been defeated and it lay broken on the floor of the tomb. Grave clothes clutter the tomb. Secondly, human government lies broken in the tomb. I want y'all to grab this today. Rome in all its splendor. The Roman government. It is the greatest government of all time. In their day it's the most powerful. It's the strongest. It was known as a city of terror. People were scared. You recall that it's even in the Roman Empire. Go to Fox's Book of Martyrs. And you'll find the Roman Empire. Was uh, responsible in the Roman government. For killing a many of Christians. Brutally might I add. It would not even be, if I were to try to preach to you what all, with some kids in here today, I wouldn't even preach it. It is that grotesque what happened to some of them people. It was the terror of the Roman Empire at work. But now, Rome and all its splendor, it lays defeated. Oh my God. At the feet of a resurrected Lord. He's a simple man. He comes to this earth. They've mocked him. They've tortured him. They've put him to death a few hours before. A matter of fact, you'll recall with me that when Pilate is interrogating the Lord Jesus, that Jesus stood silent before this ruler of Rome. And do you know Pilate represented the power of the government of Rome? He is the representative of Rome. And Pilate says to him, He says, do you know that I have the power to crucify you and I have the power to release you? Trying to show his power in government that he had power over Jesus. To which Jesus replies to him in John 19. He said, you could have no power over me at all except it was given to you from my Father God above. Come on somebody. See the government yes, even the American government is powerless and broken in the face of Jesus Christ. So I see this clutter in the tomb. Let me even add to the story that at the graveside and where this stone is rolled and where the tomb is that Pilate has taken his seal the Roman it is the seal of the, it's like the seal of the United States president you'll notice whenever he speaks at the podium that there's a seal of the United States president and that is the power of all the US government in that one seal and so what the pilot does is he takes this seal and he seals the tomb with it the signet as if to say the power of Rome and the government is behind this do not move it but I want to tell somebody that human government lies broken at the tomb because Pilate's seal and signet that sealed the tomb was broken when it was rolled away Jesus wanted them to understand Understand. There's no power that's been given to you except for what God has allowed you to have. You may take my body. You may kill me. You may have the power because God has given you the power to lay my life down. But God's also given me the power that on the third day, honey, I'm going to rise again. I got to hurry. Religion lay helpless and defeated in the tomb. Somebody, religion. Religion. Now, now, can I say this to you? I'm not talking about the church, folks. The church is a living organism. The church is the church of Jesus Christ. We talked about this a little last week with the Joseph where he begged for the body. The church represents Christ. We are Christ. We are the body of Christ. We are the hands and the feet of Jesus to this generation. I'm not talking about the church of the living Jesus Christ. No, no, no. I'm talking about religion. It's cluttered in the tomb today. And it's laying helpless and defeated today because of a risen Lord. I'm telling us that we're faithful to the church because we're faithful to our Lord. I'm telling us that we work for the church because we serve the Lord. Are y'all ready? Church people. A part of God's church. God's church, they don't mind volunteering to help. They don't. They really don't. God's church wants to help. Are y'all ready for this? God's church wants to be a part of ministry. God's church wants to make a difference. 
So when I serve God today, I'm serving behind this pulpit because I love God. All right? I do what I do because I have a love, a fond love for God. What I'm telling you is religion doesn't do that for you. What I'm telling you is there's a lot of religious people that do nothing for the church. Some of you want me to preach that. I know you do. You're saying, come on, preacher, let it go. Let it go. Religion is dead today at the feet of Jesus Christ. Any hope that ritual, formality, or, or us simply going through the motion will save us. It has been crushed and it has been broken. Why? Because religion tells them about life and hope, but they missed it. Religion in their day did not work. It is on the day of Pentecost. You'll recall that Peter told the curious religious crowd. He said, therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God, not religion, but God has made this Jesus who you crucified both Lord and Christ forever. Do you know one of the strange realities of the demographics that we call baby boomers and baby busters is that they found that they have a propensity for religion but little willingness to embrace. They have a propensity. That means that they have an inclination, a leaning towards Religion. Yeah, yeah, I want to be a part of church. Yeah, yeah, I'll go to church. But when it comes time to truly embrace the Christ of the church. I didn't sign up for that. This is what we're seeing in our world today. And all that that is, is religion. But I'm telling you, religion doesn't work. If we were to ask if Jesus is there, Jesus is not here. Jesus is not in religion. This is not the answer. I can tell you today, many people that have been hurt by religion. I can tell you people today that have been broken and battered and bruised by religion. I can tell you people today and take you to their houses that have backslid all because of religion. That is not what God intended for the church to be. That is not what God intended for the church to do. We are to win the world. We are to get the world saved through Jesus Christ. Our job is not to hurt people. Our job is not to try to say, well, you're going against our tradition or against our culture in the church. And so we're going to offend you and hurt you. That's not what God called us to do. Religion will hurt you, folks. Religion will make you even walk away from the church and walk away from God. How can you say that? Because religion is made of man. And man is going to hurt you. Man will always, at some point, they're going to disappoint you. At some point, man is going to break you. So if you're looking for Jesus in forms and rituals, then guess what? You will not find him there. He is not there. Um, the, the Pharisees, I love Jesus because he literally destroyed the traditions and the religiosity of the Pharisees in the fact, you'll recall, he just he messed up their world. He looks at them one day and he says, hey, by the way, if, if, if you destroyed this temple and in three days, I'll rebuild the temple. What did the religious people say? Oh my God, you're going to tear down our church? They missed it. He wasn't talking about the church building. But their religion wouldn't get out of the way. They couldn't recognize the church was not just their building. The church was standing before them in the body of Jesus Christ. My God. And they, because of religion, they missed that fact. You know, I was studying the other day and it really bothered me. In reality, you know who really killed Jesus? It was the religious folks. It was the religious folks. I see that clutter in the tomb. I see humanism is destroyed in the tomb. His disciples wanted him to deliver as a warrior statesman. They wanted him to be a conqueror. Humanism is the bipolar F opposite of the divine. Humanistic ideals and divine ideals will not go together. It is man's thinking versus God's thinking. Is somebody hearing what I'm telling you today? This represents to us the best of humanistic ideas. They expected that Jesus Christ would come and overthrow the Roman government by force. They expected him to come on a horse. One day he will, folks. Oh, come on, somebody. One day he will. His day's coming. But it was not yet. 
And at that moment, that is why when Peter cuts off the ear of Malchus, and he looks at him and says, wait a minute, he who lives by the sword is going to die by the sword. Put away your sword, Peter. We don't need the fight with the sword today. What I'm telling you, there's a time for that. But the humanism got in the way and said, you know what? We want you to overthrow him. We want you to be a strong leader. There are some that accepted him as a good teacher, a good leader. Some even called him a good moral man. But humanism is broken because this was not the route that Jesus came. He did not come just to be a good teacher. He did not come to be a great leader. He did not come just so people would look at him and say, what a great prophet, what a good moral man. The route that Jesus come was because for God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son that whoever would believe through him would not perish but have everlasting life. The reason Jesus came is that in the fact that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us in our sins. So the reason he came was not just to be a good statesman like they wanted him to be. He came to be a great Savior that's his whole purpose education doesn't make us wise I got a, a ring up here and I show it to Pastor Brian often my Lee ring I love old Lee University look at there I, I show it off all the time education does not make us wise wisdom is actually the application of knowledge so if I were to break it down for you wisdom would be like this it would be what we do with what we know. Today to the most educated man I could offer you Christ. I could say today you need to know Jesus is your savior. Will you accept him? Well in his humanism and his way of thinking. His, oh, I don't need this Jesus. Things are going good. I, I don't believe in Jesus. I don't. Alright. He's educated. He's got a doctorate degree. Really smart guy. When, in the world's eyes. Humanly speaking. But if I offer him to a guy and hear this. I hate to use this term, but dumb as rocks. I, I think we can all understand that. He doesn't have much IQ. He didn't even finish high school, for goodness sake. I mean, this guy was picking cotton and potatoes in the field. I mean, he, he had the work. He come back from the days when you had like 12, 13 kids, and somebody had to feed the family, baby. He doesn't have much education, but if I offer him Jesus today, and he comes to an honor and says, yes, I, I want this Jesus, then who's wiser? Who's wiser? Wisdom is the application. What do you do with what's been given to you? So, so in humanistic ideology and in thinking, my God, I'm telling you, it doesn't work, ladies and gentlemen. It doesn't. Let me hurry. Pleasure and materialism are crushed and broken. The broken promises, the caviar dreams, the champagne wishes, nobody is there. The tomb is still cluttered with these things. Now comes the question of the day that I will ask of you all. Why do you insist on seeking for life in things that are dead? No wonder he says, why are you seeking the living among the dead? Why do you continue to go back? There's some people today, they're so wrapped up in pleasure. In worldly pleasure, they've forgotten about Jesus. Jesus has become an afterthought. Jesus has become second fiddle. Jesus is kind of, if we have time, we'll, we'll make time for Jesus. I mean, He only died for me. He only gave His life for me. He only rose on the third day. He's only at the right hand of the Father, constantly asking God to have mercy on me. But if I get time, then, then I'll work with Jesus. I'll talk about Jesus. All I'm worried about is my worldly pleasures. And, and we're looking for materialism. These things are dead, folks. They are lying broken on the floor of the tomb. They are crushed. So why do we time after time go back to these things and try to find life? He is not there. Oh, I was thinking the other day, even when you look at government and, and, and <laughs> we're living in a world where we're kind of looking to government for, for assistance. We're looking to government for answers, right? Coming out of pandemics, people start looking to the government. What's the government going to do for me? What the, I've heard people all like, what's the government going to do? The government ain't doing this. The government ain't doing that. We look to government for answers. But we see written across human govern, government, he is not He is not there. He's been taken out. That is why several years ago, you saw several debates in several different areas of the country. It's only getting worse to where Ten Commandments statues that had been there for years and years 
All of a sudden, they voted in the, in the courts and they said, let's go ahead and take it down. Wanted the Supreme Court to hear the case. I believe it was in Kentucky, if my memory serves me correctly. And the Supreme Court wouldn't even hear the case. What's going on in our land today, folks? He's not there. Whatever happened to the days of George Washington and Thomas Jefferson and some of the, the early forefathers that we find pictures of them and they're knelt down around Congress and they're praying. Oh my God, help me, Jesus. And they ain't talking about a man and a woman in their prayers either. They're calling on the name of God to save this country and to always let us remember that we were founded on God. In God we trust. In God we will always trust. So if I look to the government for my help, I'm afraid He's not there. Oh, Cicero wrote about Christ a hundred years before Christ was even here, a hundred AD, and he wrote this even about government. He said the budget should be balanced, the treasury should be refilled, the public debt should be re reduced, the arrogance of officials should be tempered and controlled, assistance to foreign lands should be curtailed lest we become bankrupt. The unemployment should be forced to work and not depend on the government for assistance. He said this a long, long time ago. Might would have helped us if we'd listened to him a little bit, right? It isn't much better now. Times are bad, sure enough. But if you think things are bad, one person said, just wait till Congress tries to fix it. If your hope is in the government, you have no hope here today. Oh God. If your hope is in what they can do and what government can bring, they've never been able to bring salvation. A matter of fact, the communists tried to merge government with religion. And guess what they ended up with? It didn't work. They godless in a communist nation that hates God, hates Christianity. I was reading a story a few years ago. Before the topple of communism, there's a big rally that's going on in Moscow. There's a noted educational leader in that country that was there that day. And he was saying that faith in Christ is no longer relevant. It was said that he lectured eloquently and boldly from his stage. But then he became very cocky and arrogant. He looked at the crowd of people and he said, Would anyone here dare to challenge my position? They said after a few moments, a little old country preacher from a village that was nearby raised his hand in an humble way. He walked up to the podium after called upon. The speaker looked at him and said, sir, you've got five minutes now. You better be brief. To which the, young, the old preacher looked at him and said, oh, I'll be brief. He replied with a clear, strong voice. He spoke a few words, the traditional greeting of Easter. He said, Christ is risen. And from a thousand throats came the response, He is risen indeed. And the lecturer left that place defeated and broken, showing us that government has no power against the resurrected Lord and Savior. Jesus has always been and He will always be the King of kings and the Lord of lords. That is why Isaiah told us the government is going to sit on His shoulders. What does that even mean? That means that he's carrying it. And at any moment that he moves, governments collapse. Oh, are y'all ready? I'm telling you the only reason that the USA is where we are is because the government is still on his shoulders. The moment that God moves out the way, this thing is going to go chaotic, folks, and it's going to happen fast. You better be ready. So I'm going to leave you with this. So religion's exposed. Some are intent on pursuing humanism. Man can provide it. Man will work it out. Money's all I need. Material things. Pleasure's all I need. Materialism's empty. Humanism is bankrupt. Jesus isn't there. I hear the words, he's not here. Why do you seek the living among the dead? It is C.S. Lewis that said, I doubt whether anyone who has tasted joy would ever, if both were in his power, exchange it for all the pleasure in the world. I'm going to tell you, that's why David said, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. That is why today among me in this crowd, in this audience, there are people. You have accepted the resurrected Lord today. You have believed on Him. And I could come to you today. The devil could come to you today. And he could lay it at your feet. And he could say, here it is. All the money in the world. Here it is. 
the, the finest car you want. Here it is. That big old three-store house you've been after. Here it is. Just sell me your soul. And I thank God that I believe there's a group of people in here today that would look at the devil and say, No, sir. No, sir. Your materialism has nothing for me. Somebody ought to hear what I'm saying. I have tasted of the joy of the Lord. You can offer me all of that things. I have tasted and I have saw that the Lord is good. This world has nothing for me. It's all going to go to hell anyhow. It's all going to burn. But Jesus Christ is going to last forever and ever and his children are going to a better land one of these days. Oh God. Pleasure's empty. He is not there. A 2,000 pound stone rolled up against the tomb. Had no chance against the rock of the ages that is on the inside. He comes back to life. And he's alive today. The resurrection shows us that God raised him from the dead. He proclaimed, I bless this. He pronounces it is done. God pronounces I accept this payment. And because of the resurrection now we are forgiven. Hope was another thing that came out of the tomb with him. Today as the future looks dark and bleak. Confusing uncertain at times. There are still all kinds of forecasters. An announcement in the newspaper said it this way. The meeting of the psychic Advisors Club has been canceled due to unforeseen circumstances. That's sad, isn't it? The ones they're supposed to be telling the future didn't see it coming. But I want to tell somebody today that if you have believed in the resurrection of Jesus Christ and you accept Him as your Lord and Savior, I can tell you what your future is going to look like. I can tell you how the end's going to be. Your future is going to be blessed. Your future is going to be bright. Stop looking for God in the places that He is not. Find, find Him today. Let, let, let me close with this. Go, go ahead and play something, Sandra. I, I'm, I'm closing. There's this prominent citizen in a certain community. It's highfalutin. Around him, he's in a lovely, expensive home. Multi-millions. He has money. He has power. He has influence. All around his bed, there's the doctors. The best. He has personal care surrounding him. He goes to whisper. And when he goes to whisper, they go down and say, what are you saying? What? And he says, I'm leaving home. I'm leaving home. But across in the same town, at the very same moment, there's this little woman. She doesn't have much. She's in a little shack. She is at the point of death. But there's a few family around because they love her so dearly. There's no doctors giving her special care. She can't afford that. But as she's laying in her bed, there is all of a sudden this radiance that comes on her face. And she starts whispering something. And what is she saying? And she says, I'm going home. I'm going home. The difference between the two, where one is leaving home and the other is going home. The difference is the resurrection of Jesus Christ that brings life into our life. And while we were dead in our trespasses of sin, we've seen with Bill Gaither who wrote the song. And because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, I will live also. Are you ready today, folks? That's the question I ask today. Are you ready? Should Jesus Christ come right this moment? Are you ready for it? Are you ready for it? Are you ready to get out of that tomb and step out of the clutter? In your heart, there's this aching. There's this voidness. There's this longing. There's a belief somewhere inside of you that says there is more to this empty life that I've been living and I declare to you today, Jesus Christ is the life that you have been searching and looking for. The problem is that there are some that have looked for Him in places and the only echo I hear is He is not here. He is not here. He is not here. So I say to you, He is not there. But I can promise you, He certainly is here. <laughs> Woo! I said he is not there. 
He's not in humanistic thinking and ideology. He's not in materialism. He's not in pleasure. He's not even in the government hardly anymore. But I can promise you, He is in this house today. And He is here to help and meet your needs. Could we stand before we go today? As the music's being played, heads are bowed and eyes are closed. I want to do something a little different today. I want to ask you today, and I'm not, I'm not interested in calling people out. I'm not interested in pointing people out. I know that can be uncomfortable. I'm not, not for that today. But today, if you don't know who Jesus Christ is, I do at least want to invite you to say a prayer in your heart today. Because Jesus, listen to me, Jesus can change your world. Jesus can change everything for you. Your struggling family, your struggling marriage, your struggling finances, God can change it all. Because when He is the sinner, everything else all of a sudden just starts working out because that's how God works. He brings life to things that are dead. So today, if you're that person, if you just slip your hands and Pastor, that's me. Today, I make a proclamation that I want to know Christ as my Savior today. God bless you. I want to know Jesus today. I want you, to, at this time, we're going to pray, and I want you just to pray. You know, the Bible says it's so simple. The Bible says that all we have to do is believe in our heart. We make it complicated. We used to get people to the altar. You can look at me, guys. You can look at me. We used to get people to the altar and we used to pray for them for 45 minutes trying to get them saved. But according to my Bible, the Bible says if a man or woman will simply believe that the Lord Jesus died and rose from the dead, if they believe that in their heart and they confess the Lord Jesus with their mouth, immediately they are saved. Father, in the name of Jesus, right now, if there's one that wants to pray it, Father, forgive me. Forgive me for I have sinned. Forgive me. I have looked in the wrong places for you. I've looked in the world. I've used my own human thinking. I've used my own human logic. I've tried to figure it out. But Father God, I'm sorry because I have found you're not there. But Father, today I do believe that you died for me. I do believe that you resurrected on the third day. And I do believe today, and I confess with my mouth, that you are King of kings and Lord of lords. Father, come into my heart. I give you my life. Change me. And I'll forever praise you. If you've said that prayer today, I'm telling you, in you minute, you are saved. God bless everyone today. I want to thank you for coming. Man, what a great Easter service this has been. We're going to do it like we've always